0: All right, well, I hope you got your Bibles with you and you'll open up to James chapter 5. We're going to continue uh, in James with starting at chapter 7. Have you ever had the urge to retaliate when you've been wronged? You wanted to get even, so to speak, even up the score someone who's clearly taken advantage of you or cheated you? Uh, otherwise, have you had the urge to take revenge <clears throat> when someone has wronged you, shortchanged you, or mistreated you? Uh, the daily newspapers, if you notice, and the TV and the news are full of people who have been mistreated and they just want to get even. But the question is, is that God's way, or does he have a different plan? <clears throat> this is a true story that happened to me, but it was in my B.C. days. Now, for you that don't know what that means, that before I turned my life over to Christ. So you can excuse some of this. Well, I was working in the iron shop in Tigard, Oregon. Uh, I sold a piece of ground, uh, 10 acres, actually, with, with a mobile home on it, a hand-dug well and some outbuildings, to a nice couple, actually, and they, uh, we carried the contract on, the, on this uh, piece of property, and they were consistently, for three years, the money would come in time. But all of a sudden, it stopped coming. <clears throat> and uh, I couldn't figure out why. I tried to call them a few times on the phone, but I couldn't get any contact. So I decided to go ahead and, and go right up and see them. <clears throat> well, I found out when I got up there uh, that uh, the couple was going through a divorce, so I thought well i got to give them a little leeway here. The place is probably in a kind of a turmoil their marriage, so but the guy was quick to give me a song and dance, I remember at that time that he would catch up on his payments and uh, continue to pay me on time. But a couple more months went by, and i didn 't get any payments at all. so then I went back and I talked to the man. he was still at the place, his wife had left, taken the kids. But this time he boldly told me uh, that he had no intention of paying me, and he had no intention of leaving the property. This 10-acre set up in the hills a ways, and uh, surrounded by trees. So my first thought was to get a couple of guys from work and throw the bum out. Uh, but there was complications with that. Because, like I say, this sit right in the trees, and I thought, well, he'll come back and probably burn it down. So I had to move to plan B. <clears throat> plan B was I decided to borrow some of his personal property and hold his collateral <laughs> until he paid up. This is true. So I noticed one of the times I was up there, there was a little John Deere crawler there, uh, like a little caterpillar, if you don't know. It's a John Deere crawler. Looked pretty good shape. So one night... <laughs> One night, with the help of a couple guys, I borrowed it and hid it in the, some brush, and one of the guys had helped me borrow it, and uh, several miles from the property. Well, a few weeks, weeks went by, and I didn't hear nothing from anybody, and uh, this friend of mine that had the crawler at his place, he decided to do a little landscaping in this front yard <laughs> with this crawler. Well, now, talk about coincidence. While he was doing this landscaping in the front yard, a man drove by his house, and he was off the beaten track. It wasn't the main drag. And he looked in his rear view. First he saw the crawler. He said, that looks just like mine. Then he told me later, he looked in the rear view mirror, and he noticed his blade was at a slant. He said, I know that's mine. He says, "My had one hydraulic cylinder. I guess it was bad. So he stopped and went back and inquired about it. And, of course, my friend was quick to confess that he wasn't the one that was be involved in all this. And he was quick to give him my name and phone number. Nice guy. But uh, anyway, so I received a phone call that night uh, from the owner of the crawler. The problem was it wasn't the guy who owed me the money. (laughs) It seemed that the owner had just loaned this caterpillar, this crawler, to the guy who owed me the late payments. And to make matters worse, he was quick to tell me on the phone, he reported the crawler as stolen to the police and the insurance company. Now I want to tell you, I started shaking on the other (laughs) end of the line. And to make a long story longer, the owner said to bring the crawler back to his house the next Saturday. Well, needless to say... I spent a couple of restless nights wondering if I was end up going to jail for stealing that crawler. So I devised a plan. <clears throat> As I was taking the crawler back to the man's house, he told me exactly how to get there. It was out of Estacada. I don't know if you know where that is. Uh, I decided that I would send my brother on ahead in his car to see if there were some cops waiting for me. <laughs> and if there was, I told him to come back and warn me. Well, I didn't hear from him, so I thought, well, the coast is clear. Well, I went down the road, and I remember before I got to this man's property, there was a gas station on the left-hand side, and my brother was parked on the right-hand side. I come up to my brother's car, and he was asleep. Nice guy. He was supposed to come back and tell me if everything was fine. Well, I I, I just said, well, I'll let her rip. I'll go up there and... If they're waiting for me, they're waiting for me. Because I felt that this guy wanted to catch this crawler with me in my possession, see, before it was in my friend's place, but now it would be right in the back of this two-ton truck. I had it all. It's right there. He's got me. Well, I went up there, and I can still see this guy. Now, that's been almost 50 years ago. I can see this guy walking out of his house with a mug of coffee in his hand, just as casual as can be, and he says, put it over there. He pointed to a bank where I could back the crawler off from the truck. I started explaining why this all happened. He could care less, to tell you the truth. He says, okay, see you later. And I still wasn't sure what he was going to do. But the bottom line, folks, is my act of revenge or retaliation for trying to get back at the guy who owned, owed me those back payments uh, could have cost me dearly. I could have ended up losing my job. I could have uh, uh, put a definitely hardship on the family. And uh, I could have went to jail. No, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. But remember, those were my B.C. days. <clears throat> so you've got to make an excuse. I wasn't aware at that time of Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 19. It says, never take your own revenge, beloved. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," says the Lord. James is saying here to the believers who wanted to get revenge with the ones who had shortchanged them with held their wages back in chapter four. We covered it last week, uh, and they with remember those rich people withheld their wages. So he said to submit their problem to the Lord, that someday God will make the score even. As the prayers, their prayers reach the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath, remember? So he tells those shortchanged laborers, those one day laborers, to lay down your weapons and trust God to handle this matter. Maybe that's where you are today, uh, or you've been there in the past. Someone has cheated you, or shortchanged you, ripped you off, whatever, and you've decided to get even rather than wait upon the Lord, rather than praying about it. It can happen. But, I ask you, wouldn't you feel foolish if the Lord was to come back while you were in the midst of taking your revenge? James is saying here in this passage of Scripture, just wait upon the Lord before you do anything foolish. Well, let's stand as we read this uh, portion of Scripture. James chapter 5, picking it up at verse 7. As we read the God's Word. 5-7. James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. You, too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain. This is verse 9. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, That you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Verse 10. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing. That the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Father, for your word. What a challenge. Uh, James has challenged us as just these five chapters, Father, of his words to uh, other Christians and to us. We pray, God, that we're open to it this morning. Uh, maybe there is an area that needs to be a little worked on in our life. But, God, we got to open up our hearts to you. That's the key. You won't kick down that door. You wait till we say, come on in. Take over. Take over, Lord. Speak to my heart. That's what I came here for. I didn't come here to hear Jim. I come here to hear God speak to me today. Lord, just use me as a mouthpiece to speak to your people whom you love so much you died for. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated, folks. As you notice on the title of this sermon, and by the way, Tom, I apologize. I got the horse before the cart this morning. I couldn't even read. I had this bulletin right here, and I couldn't read the order of service. I was a little ahead, but you, you, you responded real good. And Larry, I noticed he had the same disease. He started serving out the, the juice before he served the bread. It's catching but uh, anyway, you've noticed the title of this is uh, We Hate to Wait. And we really do hate to wait, don't we? Be honest. If you're like me, you know, you, you hate to, you're trying to, instead of starting to hit your brakes when you get the orange light, you know, some, I hit the gas. I learned that in California while I was driving. You know, I so said, maybe I can make it without it turning red before I get under. Or you hate to wait in those, those lines at Walmart or whatever, whatever store you go to. You know, you pick the short line, don't you? Or the one that don't have anybody, which is rare. Or at the gas station, you know, you, you start, I'm going to take that one. It's only got one car. We hate to wait. Now, James tells us here in this passage that there are some things we can do while we're waiting for the Lord to do, to bring about justice in our situation. But at the same time, he tells his readers three common mistakes here that Christians often make while we're waiting for the Lord, when we're in a hurry to see justice done. The first mistake we often make while we're waiting is, number one, we grow impatient with God. We grow impatient. Notice verse 7 again. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. <clears throat> the word patient in this portion of scripture in uh, New American Standard is mentioned four times in just these six verses that we read. Four times. So you must be trying to tell us something. But the word patience means, as I looked it up here, long-suffering, eh, to show self-restraint, the ability to suffer... A long time, I like that, under the mistreatment of, from others without growing resentful or bitter while we're waiting. I uh, noticed a little article here from uh, David Jeremiah's book called Turning Toward Integrity. He gives a little illustration here that I thought was pretty good. He says, a man's car stalled on the freeway and no matter what he did, he could not get it started. Traffic began to back up, but most everyone was taking it pretty good, except one guy in a pickup truck who was just laying on the horn. The driver of the stalled vehicle walked back to the driver in the pickup, and he says, I'm sorry, but I can't get my car started. If you just go up there and give it a try, I'll stay here in your truck and blow the horn for you. (laughs) That should work. Well, if a man is impatient, James says in verse 7, then he better not be a farmer. We notice no crop appears overnight, except the crop of weeds, of course. They seem to get there. Uh, And and during the waiting period for a farmer, there is always trials and testing. Well, I was haying this year, uh, you know, and I don't have a lot like Merritt does, but... uh, I, the, tra- the front of the tractor actually hit the dirt. I mean, it just fell down on the ground. And I was taking a look at it. There's three big bolts hold that front end up. And uh, two of them had been sheared prior to that because there was rust between the bolts. But one of my shirt sheared off. Just snapped off and the front end dropped down. That was a little delay. And then the next thing I noticed is when I was doing the swather was the tines that feed the hay into the swather. Uh, one of the bars that hold those things snapped right in two and sucked through the rollers of the baler uh, swather. The bale wagon, as I was loading up a hay, it, it, it wouldn't come back down. Uh, assured a pin with the pump, and it took me a while to figure that one out. Uh, but our, most, our first concern as a farmer, for all farmers, is the weather. Uh, it would contest you. Uh, Ask Merritt, if you want to see him after church, if he'd been tested this year. I sure have. I I mean, I don't know how your forecast, I read every forecast there was, but this third cutting got rained on Friday. It just kind of gives, it just, I can't believe it. But anyway, so (laughs) too much rain can cause the crop to mold. I had that problem too. I got a little up too early, the first cutting. Too much sun and cause it to burn up, especially if you're a wheat farmer or one of these guys. A late frost in the spring can delay seeding and cause reseeding. I don't know if you, but I've done it a lot of times. Planted corn and I got a little too anxious. The frost comes, that's got to reseed corn. An early frost in the fall can kill the crop. If you're like me, you end up covering those tomatoes before they all get frosted. The farmer must be patient with the weather. And yet, to get just the Early in the late rains. And if you're like this year, I wish it was just been a little couple days later. But he must also be patient with the planted seed, giving it time to produce the crop. Why is he willing to wait so long? Because the crop is precious. You notice that in verse 7? And it's worth waiting for. James likens the faithful Christian to that farmer. As we must learn to be patient with God. God wants to produce that precious fruit in our lives, each one of us, while we're waiting. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Nine fruit of the Spirit, a crop that's worth waiting for. It takes time. We can't rush it. Be patient with some of your other Christian friends who have come to the Lord, but maybe they haven't walked with the Lord as long as you have. Be patient with them. God is working, developing this fruit of the Spirit, a crop worth waiting for. And the only way for that to happen is for us to trust the Lord through the trials and the troubles and tribulations we go through while waiting. So the only way for this to happen for us is to trust the Lord. And instead of growing impatient with God during those long, dry, or wet waste, uh, waiting times, James says, the right thing to do while we're waiting is strengthen your heart. <clears throat> strengthen your heart. You get that from verse 8. Let me read that to you. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, <clears throat> I've, been, I've, seen, I've never seen, and I don't think you have either, farmers just sit around twiddling their thumbs while they're waiting for the harvest. Uh, He constantly is working long hours, cultivating, weeding, fertilizing, fixing machinery, preparing the machinery for the harvest. There is lots to be done while waiting. So what does James mean by strengthening your heart here in verse 8? God wants us to keep working on our relationship with him at all times, spending time daily. In fellowship with him. Spending time reading our Bibles daily. I think Pastor Dan mentioned a few months ago. I thought he said thirty seven percent of born again Christians read their Bible daily. We gotta get on board here. Read it. Spending time with Thanksgiving and praise, nothing beats just Forget about asking him and just go out and thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you. for, And God will bring those things back into your memory. Praise, Lord. Praise you, God, how you take care of me. Praise, God, how you just uh, watch over all the things that count in my life. And then, of course, asking God for daily direction all the time. These everyday practices will strengthen your heart as you commit yourself and your problems to him. Keep working while you're waiting, working on your relationship with him constantly to make you more like Jesus, of course. The next mistake that we often make while we're waiting for the Lord is mistake number two. We grow impatient with others. Notice verse nine. Do not complain, brethren, against one another that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Nobody on the farm as time or energy for disputes with their neighbors. Uh, in fact, it's sort of an unwritten law, folks, that you help each other in their time of need. After we purchased our dairy cows in 1972 uh, from a farm that was up in Rice, our neighbors, which we hardly, we hardly knew them at all, there was two of the neighbors that were dairy farmers, uh, volunteered to haul those cows from rice, which was almost 60 miles, 58 I think it is, to our farm and to do for no payment at all. I remember that. I tried to say, well, well I, can't, I don't know what I can pay you. But we didn't have the means to pay, and we didn't have a truck or the money to get it done. But they came along and hauled those cows. And I remember one of them just leaning on the fence as the cows walked into this, path, this corral we had, and he said to me, he says, just don't call me when it's milking time. <clears throat> and I knew what he meant like that. It took, I don't know how many hours it took. We almost had to literally drag each cow into that barn that first night. <laughs> neighbors lend machinery to neighbors when they're in need of it. That's just the way it is with farming. They even milk your cows if there's an illness. Fortunately, I never had that happen. But I did have a time the first year when Lou got diabetes and we had to send her to the hospital to get evened out on some, some insulin. <clears throat> that one of the I'd milk cows in the morning, then I'd go see her in Spokane uh, between times. And one of the times I came back home, one of the neighbors, different neighbors than these guys, left a bunch of gifts for the kids. It was right close to Christmas time. And we weren't too sure we were going to get her out of the hospital before Christmas. I remember that. I already had to talk to the doctor. But uh, a bunch of gifts just for the kids. We had three kids there at that time. It's pretty nice. It was real nice. Neighbors help each other all the time. Or, as James says here, do we complain? Do we lash out at each other while we're waiting? Because of the pressure we're feeling while we're waiting. I believe James, James had this in mind when he wrote verse 9. Not to let the trials of our lives that cause bickering, quarreling, complaining between each other. <clears throat> Impatience with God often leads to impatience with God's people. If we start using the cycles on each other, folks, we'll miss the harvest. And judge the judge is standing right at the door. It says here in verse 9. So what's the right thing to do instead of being impatient with each other while we're waiting? Pretty simple. Strengthen your relationship with others. That's the time to do it. Many times as we go through a trial <clears throat> where we... Fit feel that we've been cheated or mistreated by someone, and we in turn strike out at the ones we love around us. A a guy who attended our church in La Grande, Oregon, uh, told me of a time when he got short with his wife without hanging wallpaper. Now, if you've ever hung wallpaper with your spouse, (laughs) it does test you. (laughs) I remember the worst situation I had in, in La Grande, this place that we had. I put a wallpaper on the ceiling, and I thought I was doing such a good job. I got to the end, and I turned around, and it was laying on my back. <laughs> yeah, it just came right down. Yeah, I knew what this guy was talking about, but he said, I got short with the wife, and he says, I finally turned to her, and I said, don't take it so personal. He says, I'm not mad at you. And uh, to strengthen our relationship with other people sometimes, we should be quick to communicate to those who we love not to take it so personal. They are not responsible for the frustration we feel within. Don't violate your relationship with those you love and who love you. And I think I heard Lou say amen to that. <clears throat> the next common mistake Christians make while waiting for uh, the Lord to intervene. Number three mistake. We, must, we make foolish promises. Let's take a look again at verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, Excuse me, but let your yes be yes and your no-no so that you may not fall under judgment. Now you might say, what does swearing by heaven or the earth or making oaths have anything to do with waiting upon the Lord while we're suffering? Well, if you've ever suffered for a period of time, you know the answer to that one. It's easy to say things or make bargains with God when we're going through difficulties. We might pray something like this. I don't know if you've ever done it. Lord, I promise you, I'll stop doing this or that. I'll give up this habit, start attending church more regularly. I'll start reading my Bible more if you would just only get me out of this situation. Have you ever made an oath like that to the Lord? In a time of trouble and trials, folks, <clears throat> we have to be careful what we say to God or to make some foolish promise to Him. So what's the right thing to do to avoid making these foolish promises to the Lord while we're waiting? <clears throat> Strengthen your faith to endure the trial. Strengthen your. How do you do that? Notice verse 10 and 11. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse 11. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing. That the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. James is suggesting here as example of suffering and patience. For us to look at the prophets of the Old Testament who spoke in the name of the Lord. Uh, Such as David, you know, the man after God's heart. He was hunted down by King Saul, you remember? Constantly had to avoid the king killing him. And he had already, Samuel had already anointed him as the next king. But he had to wait for that position to take. Elijah was sought by the wicked rulers of Israel, mainly Jezebel. And he had to wait upon the Lord to do the work there before he could uh, be the prophet that he wanted to be. Jeremiah <clears throat> was beaten, mocked, arrested as a traitor. And he was thrown into a cistern, you remember there, left to die with mud up to his armpits. That's what my Bible said. I can't imagine he had to wait to see if God would deliver him. Daniel, thrown in an iron lion's den and suffered those hardships because of his faith in God. <clears throat> Excuse me. It will strengthen your faith too in God when you read of these prophets who have suffered, not because they did anything wrong, but because they did things right. They were guilty of, James says, speaking in the name of the Lord. They were persecuted. I'm going to take a drink of water here. They were persecuted for their testimony, and yet they suffered affliction with patience. And then there was Job that he brings out here in verse 11, a prime example of patience. Few people on this earth have ever suffered like Job did before or after Job. The Bible says, and it was all without cause that he suffered. You know the story. He lost his wealth. He lost his health, struck with boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. He couldn't even stand up because of boil. If you ever had one boil, you can't imagine what boils all over your body would be like. They hurt. All ten of his children, and you know the story, seven sons and three daughters were killed and daughters were killed in one day. One day. His wife told him, curse God and die. Words of encouragement. His three closest friends told him he was suffering... It was all came because of his own sin. They tried to convince him that. And it seemed for a time that God was against him. And when he cried out for answers to his suffering, there was no immediate reply from heaven. And yet Job endured. Uh, He lost everything, but he didn't give in to the pressure. Satan predicted that Job would get impatient with God and abandon his faith. But that didn't happen. Job did not forsake his faith in God. Even though he didn't understand why, and he never did find out why, God was allowing it all to happen. <clears throat> Remember, folks, Job trusted God. We'll all say amen to that. But we've got to forget sometimes what we often forget is that Job, I mean, God trusted Job. He really did. He trusted that he wouldn't turn his back on him. And you remember how it went? He, he was talking to Satan, God was. <clears throat> and he says, uh, well, what have you been doing? Well, I've been roaming around the earth kind of looking for trouble. And anyway, that was my translation. But anyway, he says, have you tried that guy down there? Look at that guy, Job. Have you ever tried him? Go for it. Go after him. Why would he do that? Because he could trust Job. You know, that he wouldn't turn his back on God. <clears throat> He's our example of patience and endurance in the midst of suffering. The question is, can God trust you as you go through trials in this life? That you won't abandon your faith? You don't say it's, You won't say, it's not worth it. Well, folks, w- when you find yourself in the fire, Remember, God keeps his hand on the thermostat. He'll keep it in. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you remember the scripture. He'll never allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Satan wants us to get impatient with God. And the main purpose of suffering is to build your faith in God. Certainty, certainly, Job's faith was a lot stronger after the trial. I said, you could throw anything at him after that. I believe that. He says, that's nothing compared to what I went through. Our faith will be stronger too if we make it through that trial, that testing time. Remember how James started out? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that it's a test of your faith. Let in faith have its perfect result that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Also, we need to remind ourselves that our patience in times of suffering and testimony is a testimony to the people around us. They're watching you. Anybody can go to church on Sunday, but can you handle it out there? How do you handle it? They're watching you to see if your faith is real. Don't kid yourself. You might not think so, but they are. Once again, for those of us who hate to wait during those times of suffering and injustice while waiting for the Lord to intervene. Strengthen your heart. Just get a little closer to God during that time. While waiting for the Lord, uh, while we're waiting, strengthen your relationship with other people instead of grumbling and complaining while waiting, strengthen your faith to endure by remembering those biblical examples of those in the Old Testament who had rough times. And it wouldn't hurt to read Hebrews 11 once once in a while just to read about the men and women of faith, hardships that they went through, like people like Job. Remember, folks, an impatient Christian is a powerful weapon in the hands of Satan. Moses' impatience when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it, you know the story. You remember that? It robbed him of a trip to the promised land, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, I, I try to put myself in Moses' position. He's put up with these idiots more or less, for 40 years, not 40 days or 40 hours, 40 years. They didn't have enough water. They didn't like the manna. They didn't like this. And they kept complaining. He put up with this. So I kind of think when God gave him that command, now this is my imagination, you won't find that in Scripture, is <laughs> I think God hit him on a bad day. He was just having these guys he had to get rough with, and God says, uh, this time speak to the rock, don't hit it. And I think he was so upset. He was so, boom, he hit that rock. But that cost him. It robbed him the trip to the promised land. Remember, remember God says, you can go up on top of that mountain, and you look down there, but you don't you're not going to go in there just because of your disobedience. And then there was Abraham. his impatience led to the birth of Ishmael, whose descendants became an enemy of God's people and still are today. His impatience. And then there was Peter's impatience, almost cost him his life, didn't it? when he cut off the ear of the guard. When Jesus was being arrested, fortunately, Jesus picked up that ear and put it back on the guy's head. That would have been something to see. I believe that guy moved from the front of the lawn to the back when that happened. He said, wow, that's something. So as Jesus said, put that weapon down and say, I'm going to trust God in this situation no matter what. I'm going to hang in it. And also remember, Jesus is our example. Of not retaliating when wrong. As he endured the cross for our sake, he went to that cross for our sins. That's something. He showed patience. Lois?